My name is Chris Bear and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis on the Saturday at Free Network. On this episode, we will be looking back on Rangers' 2-1 victory over Ross County and joining me to go through this is none other than the main man himself, Dave. Dave, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm still on the kind of positivity trip I've been on lately, although the, the honeymoon period with these performances at home is starting to, starting to wear a wee bit, I think. Well, I said that I said that last week when we previewed this game. Uh, obviously, I, I'm not too concerned about the performances as long as the results uh, are still forthcoming, which they obviously are. Uh, I think that's nine. Is that ten wins in eleven? Um, so I'm quite, I'm fairly calm on that front, but I'm also at the back of my mind, kind of thinking it's not really sustainable, um, and it will bite us in the ass at some point. So kind of. Talking about biting his nails and not sustainable, I think the first talking point has to be the the first name in the the team sheet, which was obviously John McLaughlin. I'll just run through the team very quickly, then we'll come to John McLaughlin. So we've got McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic. Uh, just a quick word on that, Dave. That back four is settled, and you, you just have no fear with that back four anymore, do you? Because it's obviously it's working well. No, it's it's good. It always seems to be coincide with good runs of form there's definitely something in that like I always text my pals you speculate about your team the days before the game and it's great when you can just put in a text the back four picks itself should be yeah. the back five picks itself but they're able to say the back four picks itself there's no upsets playing reasonably well uh, caveated but having that stability at the back it's nice it's nice surprise that a factor in the, the, the winning slash unbeaten run that we're on Mm. And the last time I remember it happening to the same extent was 55 when it was literally the same back four week in, week out. So, aye. aye. You then had Jack and Lundstrom, Sakala, Cantwell, Kent and Morelos up front. Cantwell gets another start at Ibrox. Uh, Tillman uh, drops to the bench, but I think that was more to do with just getting the, the, the young man a wee rest. Obviously, he's been playing a lot of football. He's only 20. Clearly, he is one of our best players, but he was introduced very quickly into this game because of an injury to Lundstrom, which we will come to. And uh, Nico Raskin was also on the bench because his work permit came through. So, as I said, the John McLaughlin, Alan McGregor situation, I think now we can actually diagnose it as a situation because there seems to be no rhyme or reason as to who's going to play. It literally is, you know, as you say, you can text your mates and you kind of know the stick-ons, but now the goalkeeping situation, we're just sort of like... Just need to wait for the team sheet to come out. And it'll be McLaughlin or it'll be McGregor. Um, and as I said, there doesn't seem to be any logic between it. It just seems to be a, a complete rotation policy, which you, you get away with if it's a striker. You get away with if it's maybe a, a fullback or even to a certain extent a, a centre midfield. But with a goalkeeper, I don't believe that rotating your goalkeepers as frequent as we have is has ever been a successful policy in any football club because it's just something you don't really see at all. And the only reason you would see it um, in, in the game is if both keepers just aren't good enough and the the manager's looking for a solution. The only th- I, I hate to obviously compare myself to them, but the only thing I can really think of is, do you remember the 55 season? Lennon was rotating between Barkas, Bain and the young Connor Hazard because he was just looking for that goalkeeper that was going to you know, breakthrough that's going to show that consistency, is going to show that form. I'm not saying it's as bad as that because obviously if it was as bad as that, McCrory would be getting a snuff, um, maybe. Well, maybe it's worse than that then. Exactly, I was going to say. <laughs> but, um, I've always said since Bill came in that that was clearly he's going to, that was his policy with the goalkeepers. It was going to bite his in the arse. It did in this game. 
Um, but for me, Dave, he, he needs to pick one and just go with one now. He needs to pick whoever it's going to be, whether it's McGregor or McLaughlin, and just go with it until the end of the season, maybe give the other the, the cup games. Well, I, it's interesting to see that. So I had my daughter at the game, and I, but I looked at the team on the way into the, into, into the game, and because McGregor's been playing it, I kind of skipped over and McGregor and McLaughlin, they, they scanned the same. Mm. So I never actually digested the fact it was McLaughlin until he flapped it across pretty early on. He got caught beyond his back post and flapped. And I turned to the guys behind me and we all went, fuck's sake, McGregor. Until he walked out the goal and I looked at him and I said, McLaughlin? He, I'm actually just watching it now. He kind of palms at a corner. Yeah. And it wasn't until the ball's back in play and he walks away to you recognise the silhouette and go, hey, that's McLaughlin. So... It came as a surprise that he was in, but he was flapping at crosses for the kind of 15th minute when that one happened. As you say, the rotation now, it's possibly worse than their situation because we don't have a, a third choice who's good enough. Surely now it's beyond doubt that if McCrory was a first-team player in any way, shape or form, he would have had appearances this season because... There's been no consistency with the goalie. We'll come on to the goal, but we're, we're still in this habit and it's persisted now for 18 months. The start of the last season, we concede from about one in every three attacks <clears throat> and every decent chance goes in. Yeah. Uh, Ross County's only real meaningful attempts, attempt to it in. It's fundamentally unsustainable. And the biggest part of that problem is the goalkeeping situation. Again, came out, got short, Flapped at a couple of crosses, generally shaky. We missed the window, literally and figuratively, there to replace him. And we're going to have to persist to the end of the season. And I just don't think McCrory can be at all up to it. I mean, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of an outfield situation where a young boy's been flung in because of the dreadful performances of his sort of superiors in front of him. And I'm, I'm toiling to think of one. It's usually injury that's led to that. But if if a young boy can't grab his chance like McGregor did when Latizia was misfiring. I think I think the only real kind of example we've got there is McGregor when Latizia and Kloss were obviously well past their sale by date and McGregor sort of forced his way in there. It was a number three um, at the start of the season. Got a, got an opportunity through a, through a double injury to Kloss and Latizia. Um, both Kloss and Latizia came back and they dropped out again and he forced his way through just by showing his ability and his form. And the fact that McCrory's not been able to do that yet he's been given a new contract, it sort of kind of sums up the management of the goalkeeping situation at the moment, doesn't it? Aye, absolutely. As I say, we, we knew McGregor had it because he'd been at Dunfermline, he'd made it to a Scottish Cup final, I think he was at St Johnson as well. He had a good record in the league, he was highly rated. We'd seen him in cup games and stuff. We trusted McGregor. I remember the tipping point for me was away in Livorno, where I went absolutely spare. Because remember, Letizia came out slow. One, one of the worst goalkeeping performances I've ever seen. Aye, we, st- we still spec. won. Yeah. But he came sliding out his box in the rain. It was howling in the rain and sliding out his box and generally made a couple of howlers. And everybody that was in Pivo Pivo in the tune and I was up on the table shouting at the telly to get math. And then, obviously, Walter came in and just swiftly remedied that. But if McCrory had done about him, he would have sealed the jersey. So it's absolutely imperative that we get somebody in in the next window. And it's going to have to be a big money signing, almost certainly, because 
we have always relied on a top, top draw goalkeeper and our successful teams. There's pretty much an unbroken line of top quality goalkeepers at Ibrox Park for the banter years, and that needs to continue. Yeah. I think for me, the, the issue for me is we just spoke about a very settled back four to have goals in Davis and Barisic. That, as you say, that picks itself. And the fact that they're not getting the consistency behind them, uh, you know, going from game to game, goalkeeper to goalkeeper. And that, that for me causes its own issues because obviously with McGregor, he has his strong points, he has his weaknesses. McLaughlin, he has his strong points and he has his weaknesses. And having to chop and change that sort of mentality, knowing that oh, McGregor will come for that or McLaughlin will come for that or, or maybe in McGregor's case, McGregor won't come for that, but I know John will. And then McLaughlin, as we've seen in this game, does come for it, completely misses it and it causes a goal. It must be frustrating for those four guys as well. So I think for the benefit of the defence and the team as a whole, uh, as I said, I think just picking one and going with one until the end of the season, it has to be the way forward now. I don't mind rotation in cup games. That's kind of the norm in modern day football. But this one in, one out, one in, one out for league games, not having any rhyme or reason to it, not having any logic behind it, it's... It, it did cost us at the weekend, but it didn't cost us ultimately for the, the, the win. But it certainly cost us a goal, which could have led to drop points. And I, I would wager that it will cost us again if this continues. Do, do you think that's fair? I like to say, I said in the last pod, you go into the last 15 minutes chasing a goal or a goal ahead and you haven't to defend. There's a bit of mental fatigue and a bit of physical fatigue comes with that. And if you're better all over the park, better than goals, you're not conceding stupid. Don't concede that goal. Add the second. Last 15 minutes is a walk in the park. Instead, it's about a nail-biter. That tallies up over the season. And it's just another thing that can be optimised to make the team's performance better is overall not conceding for every chance. Or, yeah. And it will come back to, it will come back to haunt us. Because, again... I don't want to be too critical of performance because we're winning, right? There's, there's things about the performance wasn't great. But it's been a deflected free kick that's gone in to win us the game, right? You don't know what would happen if it never hit one in, right? But as it stands, a deflected free kick, a, a, an element of luck to that. There's an element of luck to a, to a free kick. It's not really a guaranteed goal. It's, it's not even close to it. So there's an element of luck that we've picked up maximum points. Yeah. Again, it's unsustainable. And if you're, you're making your own bad luck, by conceding stupid goals and relying on luck, that fundamentally is unsustainable. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Cantwell started, Tillman on the bench, Raskin on the bench. Um, other than the goalkeeping situation and probably other than Tillman being dropped, uh, as I said, I think it was just more of a rest. And certainly the team you would have went with anyway, yeah? Uh, it's, it's close to It's good that now we're back at a situation where there are reasonable options and there's scope for debate and you can you could you and your mate could pick a team and you could pick three or four different players. Oh, I'd have started Raskin, I'd have started Tillman, I'd have started Kamara, I'd Lundstrom, whatever. There is scope for debate now because the squad's back fit and we've added two bits of what looks to be quality. So it's uh, you wouldn't have been surprised maybe Ross County home for Hadji to start, maybe just a bit too soon, but you get my point. Mm. So we're back at a point where we've got that depth now and we can change it up. I always felt in the first spell, Bill and Gerard, they seemed to, I remember Gerard saying it, they broke this, this, the season up into sequences Yeah. and sort of picked based on that. So out of six games, you start three, 
get 30 minutes and two, it'd sit one out kind of thing. And players had individualised plans for that. And I wonder if that's what we're seeing with Tillman coming out, Sakala coming out the other week. And they're just managing the squad a wee bit. Like I just said, the, the fatigue thing. It's a long season now, albeit sports science is better. I'll come back to the sports science point. But it's a long season. It's a physical season. If we can take these guys out the firing line and keep them fresher for longer, you've got a much better chance of success. Smaller squads like Ross County, St. Johnson, Motherwell, they need to go to the well every week. So yeah. come May, we should be fitter and fresher and able to pick these teams off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the game started um, and you could kind of see that the tone was set very early by by uh, Malky Mackay and Ross County. They were playing a kind of low block, wanting to take a sting out of the game. Rangers, they have to respond to that tactic by obviously um, being at it right from the get-go. I think it's fair to say we weren't. I thought we were really quite flat for that first half an hour. Um, don't get me wrong, the last 15 minutes we were dominant, but that first half an hour really did worry me. It almost seemed to, almost as if there was a hangover from Tynecastle, which is just a bit bizarre. But we've seen that from time to time with this Rangers team after a fantastic performance. They then follow up with quite a, a, a poorer performance, so it's not out of the ordinary. Uh, as you've alluded to, and as as have I, the, the most important thing is the three points, which we did ultimately get. But the at that point in the game, when it's now now and we're not playing well, we don't know that that's going to be a gimme, that we're going to get the three points. But obviously talking about it now and knowing that Rangers did win the game, um, we, could, we could talk about it in, in maybe a different light. But the, the one thing, without being critical at all of Michael Beale, because I, I, he's, he's been almost perfect, as we know, but the one criticism that, that Bill and Gerard got when Gerard was the manager was the inability to break down teams who played in a certain way that Ross County played at the weekend and um, was trying to kind of beat that low block. We fell to a low block time after time under Gerard, and it did seem to crack it eventually in the 55 season, but up to that point it was a bit of a slog. So there is some concern, not from me, I'm just kind of generalising the mood of, of the Rangers fans a wee bit, but there is some concerns that that's going to kind of creep back in again where the low block will be our kind of Achilles heel. Can you see why people are concerned about that? Or do you think Michael Beale's a more mature manager now who's learnt from it? It's just low blocks are notoriously difficult to break down and... At the end of the day, we can't be critical of the performance against Ross County because at the end of the day, we broke it twice and we won the game. Uh, I, I do have some concerns about the, the low block. First of all, I thought Ross County for what they had at their disposal. I'm loath to praise Malky Mackay for obvious reasons, but um, I thought, all things considered, Ross County set up well. They're Defending for the front was good. The boy White worked hard. Brophy and Danda mm-hmm. shuffled across well and cut off the lines. The two deep midfielders sat in the channel that Kent and, and Sakal operated. That we kind of people call it a half space, which I hate, but that inside channel, not quite on the wing, not quite in the middle. The the two midfielders cut that off. They created a wee box for Tav and Bond to play in, and we couldn't get through them. At times, obviously, when we did, they immediately retreated to eight guys between the posts, and it became a low block. But until that point, they were quite well set up higher up the pitch. So, I think you need to take that into account and say, "Bill, in that part, 
the guys kind of combated Bill's tactics. But then as soon as we got over the halfway line, they're just sprinted back between their posts yeah. and made it very difficult. That is a concern. I think the, the thing for low block for me is the way to beat it is going to be individual quality a la Cantwell's burst for the goal and, and Tillman in the box. You need that individual quality and you need depth at squad because as the defence tires, because hopefully you've ran them about, the last 20 minutes are going to be crucial against low blocks because that's when you're going to be able to throw on Roof, Hadji, Tillman, Sakala, whoever's not started, and take advantage of the space. So it really comes down to having individual quality, but get the early goal, open them up, and yeah. then keep the pressure up. Is has to be the way to go as well. Aye, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree with that. And in terms of the the, the game itself, as I said, the first half and I will seem to be Rangers were trying to work out how to break this low block. The, the, the last 15 minutes of the first half, Rangers were pretty rampant. Um, one, th- th- there wasn't many uh, opportunities as such to talk about. There wasn't many incidents to talk about. Rangers weren't under much threat. I think uh, Ross County kind of broke away once, um, but it was ultimately called offside. John Lundstrom on the 11th minute goes down uh, injured and it looks a bad, you know, it looks like it's his ankle or certainly around that foot area. And uh, Malik Tillman is then introduced, obviously, as as his replacement. Now, with Lundstrom, I've, I've obviously been very critical of Lundstrom in this game in particular as well. I don't think he started well at all. He gave the ball away twice. Uh, once was just a complete, uh, what I would call a complete Lundstrom, just a lazy ball in the middle of the park. Not really intended for anyone really and that's I think that's actually when Ross County uh, broke on us because it came to a Ross County player and they did they did break. I was raging at this point. But the reason I want to highlight this is because obviously it did go down injured and it does look a particularly bad one. Um we don't know yet how bad it is. Uh it's it's we're gonna be waiting on the scan results, Michael Bill said. But for me, we've heard pretty much from the start of this season that, that Lundstrom's been carrying something. So this looks like it could be his injury coming to a head and the inevitable happening where it's he's, he's played too much football on a bad injury and his body's now kind of gave up and he now needs to get repaired and he needs to rest, he needs to recuperate. So that's that's what I see has happened here with Lundstrom. He's just completely broken down and he was a, a, a ticking time bomb anyway because, as I said, I've been his harshest critic this year. But I do caveat that by saying that I know that he is carrying something, but I would rather he was out of the team and recovered and came back 100% than being in a team that is struggling and he's a bit of a burden to because I think he has been a burden to us this year because we have we have had to carry him more often than not. Don't get me wrong, there's been a few outlier performances where he's been fantastic. Tynecastle, Ross County away, I thought he was marvellous in those games. Second half against Celtic, he was fantastic as well. But that's, that's three... That's two and a half performances, really, because if you count the Celtic game, he wasn't very good in the first half, but certainly the second half. So for me, Dave, I don't know about you, but I just think this is his chickens have came home to roost there, and, and the injuries flared up that badly that he's had to come off, and and now it looks like he could be out for quite a, a period of time. You're talking maybe four to eight weeks, or I wouldn't even be surprised if that's his season over because it does look as if it's a kind of muscle ligament injury. And, uh, you know, these things, as we well know, you don't recover quickly from them. 
No, and you get the inevitable complication and then break down on your return at Ibrox. So there's, there's kind of two parts to it for me. I mean, it's every time, isn't it? There's two parts to it. There's one, there's the poor squad building that left us with one really recognised defensive midfield linchpin. Obviously, you've got Jack there, but again, injuries are a concern for him. And he's a slightly different, more box-to-box kind of player than Lundstrom. So you've, you've not a chance to really deputise Lundstrom adequately for form reasons or for injury reasons, both of which have been a problem. So poor squad building, as we've covered, and leaving as well an unbalanced squad. But then there's the, the recurring injury issues, which... Did we cover it on the pod or was it just a kind of side chat? I can't remember because we recorded so much last week. The, the, the situation. The injury situation with this zone seven. Uh, we touched upon it very briefly. AI thing. So there was a, a Liverpool podcast called Anfield Insider. AI, they call it. Anfield A, Anfield something beginning with AI, right? Have done a deep dive on their injury crisis and explored the reasons why because they've had similar, some like 17 hamstring injuries this season. And so have Real Salt Lake and Hull, I want to say. And the commonality is that they all use the same software we do, which is this Zone 7 artificial intelligence injury scanning thing. And all of those clubs, there's a headline and a major news outlet for all of those clubs saying they basically face a worst ever injury crisis. And there again, we have Lindstrom. So you've got a situation where we've had red ash training pitches, We've had Archie Knox running them about the back of Bellhouston Park. We've had sand dunes. And somehow we've bought an AI tool that's worse than all the things combined. That's worse than a guy with an old bucket and a sponge as a physio. Because this is the worst I've ever seen it. And I know that's another guy looking at a potentially lengthy layoff. At what point does the, the football board, and we know who we're talking about there, go, wait a minute, we just maybe need to go back to back to basics and just get a club doctor in here and sort this out because the players are at serious risk now. And again, my point five minutes ago, depth of squad, numbers, being able to rotate, plays out as an advantage over the course of the season, and we're denied that way. Once again, another injury. And you can bet that there'll be more because we can't rely on Jack for a full season and there'll be others who just naturally succumb to injury. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty bleak the injury situation. It has been all season. Um and it's and just as we're turning it round, finally feels like we're turning it round, you get another one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, um as as bad as it is, we've obviously got Raskin, um and we've got Jack, we've got Kamara. I, I think we're 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 okay there. I understand your point about Jack. He's obviously injury prone, so he is due to break down soon again. Um but at the moment I think we're okay and the best thing for John Lundstrom is to just take him out the firing line, get himself fit and then go again whenever he's ready to come back because, as I said, it was becoming more of a kind of burden to work to, uh, to his uh, carrying this knock. And, you know, I hope that his form this season isn't the true John Lundstrom. I hope it is because he's been heavily injured. I hope that the form towards the end of last season is the true John Lundstrom. And certainly if that's the type, if that's the, the version of John Lundstrom that's going to come back, you know, the kind of February to May version of John Lundstrom, then we're obviously going to be in for a, a very good player coming back to the team. And I think that getting himself fit and 100% is is in his best interest and in Rangers' best interest. And and it's it's not necessarily a 
disaster yet until Jack breaks down and Kamara breaks down and Raskin's out for the end of the season and then I'd be probably all fucked in and you know as you say who's <laughs> betting against that actually happening because that seems to be a luck at the moment but um, we, we seem to be okay at the moment as I said the last 15 minutes Rangers are pretty dominant we're rampant well we're pegged uh, Ross County in right in their kind of own penalty box really because they honestly I think I counted at one attack they had literally 10 men in the box defending and I was actually screaming at the like not at Rangers just the fact that like what are we meant to do like there's no space to do it and then Todd Cantwell as you say they burst into the box he creates his own space floats a ball across and uh, there was Malik Tomlin with it's been described as a diving header. It's not the diving header in the sense that he's fell right on his hands after head connecting with the ball with his head, but it, it is a leap, you know what I mean? And it's a very, very good header. He is, he is good with his head. Um, the one thing about Tillman is people compare him to Aribo, and I, I, I get that, but obviously Michael Beale says he's, he's not like Aribo, he's a different player. I would actually go along with that. I would, I would say they are two different players. I would have loved to have seen Aribo and Tillman playing the same team. But the one thing about Aribo that I loved was the kind of front post flick on at the corners. And I, I want to see more of that for Tillman, actually, because he is more than capable of doing that. Because, as I said, the, his ability at heading a ball is uh, it's up there. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it really is up there. I would actually say it's better than Aribo. Um, so I would love to see that tactic um, employed again. But obviously that, that seemed to be more of a... It, it was more prominent... Uh, under Gio but I do remember a good few times under under Gerard as well that he put a reboot that kind of front post flick on so I'd like to see that but anyway back to the goal uh, he leaps towards the ball gets in the end of it it's 1-0 I have to say the goal was fantastic in terms of the execution of it but the assist from Cantwell was tremendous um, creates that space that wee bit of energy to burst by two or three um, Ross County players get the get the floating ball in it's one of those kind of floating balls that is quite hard to defend there's not a lot of pace on it so it's in there for quite a while and as I say Malik Tillman it's not as if he had a gimme he still had quite a bit of work to do and then we get it it's 1-0 uh, great goal and it's exactly what you need to do to break as we said these kind of stuffy low block teams exactly it's that wee bit of inspiration just to burst past and but a pace, speed, vision. Aye, great goal. Cantwell's shown up really well. I think Cantwell's maybe more similar to Aribo in that he wants to do his best work out wide and drift in and create there. Tillman's maybe a pure 10. And it's not something we've really had a huge amount of guys that play as an out and out 10, really. So he kind of wants to play in the space behind the strikers and and do his work centrally this time and I think as a potential player I think his ceiling's higher than Aribo's his numbers are better in his first season he's a killer he's effective in a way Aribo just I always felt just couldn't quite get the stone cold killer mentality Um and he's just numbers every week. It's a recurring debate in it, but surely now even you have become convinced by him. No Rangers fan in the right mind could look at him and go, "We can't pay that money." I look at it from this the the point of view of if we want to buy Tillman, a, a player similar to Tillman in the summer, it's going to be fifteen twenty million. And if we sign Tillman permanently in the summer and then immediately sell him. I'm not saying that's what I want to happen, but I'm 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 from that point of view that that's good business. You know what I mean? We we've got a price here for a player who's going to cost a lot of money in the market, and even if we don't retain him in the next season after signing him, as I said, if we flip him straight away, 
I, I would I would actually be happy with that because there's no way we're going to get a bargain like this now. Um, it took me a bit of time to get there with him, but all he ha- all I was looking for Tillman was consistency, and I don't think I was unfair in saying that he was inconsistent because he was. And yeah, I get that he's his age and all this kind of stuff, and no playing first team football as regular as he has been. Uh, all that factored into that, of course it did. But with Rangers, we can't really afford to have inconsistent players. But the minute Michael Beals came into the door, he's been him and Sakala the most consistent performance for us easily, and his his record and goals and assists since Beals came in has been second to none. So I'm, I'm definitely there now. Um, I do want to retain him. I think the price is more than fair. I think the price is, as I said, it's a bargain. And even if our policy is right, we'll sign him, but we'll sell him straight away for twenty million. Um, it's, it's it's good business. Whatever way you look at it, the the only way you can say it's bad business is if we don't sign him. So that's that's how much I've done. I can have three sixty on it. Yep. Uh, for me, he's he's as talented as we've ever seen. I think the consistency point and some of the. I never really thought the effort thing, but I kind of get what people are saying. I think it's just about the curse of the lone E, where you're not fully engaged in the team and its success. So take an example of poor tournament performances that parted away. It's not forgivable or excusable, but a lone E in that environment isn't quite as invested as somebody like Arfield, for instance. I think he seems to have shaken it off. And for me, he's probably the best loan we've ever had. He's probably more effective than Kent. I'd need to look at the numbers again because he's not been compared to him really. It's Meribo, but it'd be interesting to see how he stacks up against first season Kent. I, th- I think off the top of my head, first season Kent generated a lot of light and heat, but didn't really do it in terms of numbers. We knew he was a great player, and we knew he could do what he does, but I don't think he got a lot of numbers this first season. I think, I think, I think the point with Kent as a lone player was we we'd been through four years of utter shite and. And then Ken passed the eye test straight away. It was exciting. He got you off the edge. Exactly. Aye, aye, that's exactly it. And he was deceiving. Of course he was deceiving because, as you say, his numbers weren't as great as we probably thought they were that year. But it was just the fact that a guy could go on the ball, take two or three men on, and then cause a bit of havoc. We hadn't seen that. You know what I mean? We had to deal with fucking, you know, Carlos Pena and Edward, Eduardo Herrera <laughs> and Josh Wundas and all this. And, and then all of a sudden we're like, wow, like, who's this? And then the, the downside for Tillman is... Because we've had good players like Aribo and Kent, um, obviously Morelos, uh, we were that used to seeing good players and we just wanted that standard in straight away. And because he, he didn't quite give us that standard straight away, automatically he was written off. And then he would have a bad game, he would have a parkhead game and we're just like, what the fuck? And then now he's shown that level of consistency, he's got a body of work and you know, that's not to say that will change my mind again, because it might very well change my mind again if he falls off a cliff. But I think that Bill's managing him correctly. He's playing him in the correct position. He's giving him the correct amount of freedom. Not not total freedom, but enough to be that creative spark. And he's he's flourishing. He, he really is. You can't say any anything other. Like, you know, I don't really always back down for my opinions, but I have now, and I think that... In a, in a weird way, is probably Malik Tillman's greatest compliment because he's, you know, I'm I'm totally there with him and, and he and he definitely definitely has to stay. And I made a joke, you know, the fact that Malik Tillman has proven himself to be a good player probably probably means that Ross Wilson won't want to sign him. Um, and that is obviously a joke, but you know, if we don't sign him now, it is a fuck up, and they have to get us over the line. Would you agree with that? Oh, it's a crime. It's an absolute crime. We've never had a guy 
I see on loan who's shown up so well, got so many numbers, who's available for a relatively modest fee, all things considered. Not doing the deal, it would be a crime because if it, the financial aspects, right, we should have five million quid to spend in summer, right? Say we don't. As you say, we immediately could flip him for ten million pound. He's that good. Well, There's apparently some sort of clause in the buy deal where they need to buy him back. They they can first refuse to buy him back. So say that's six million, seven million, eight million. We can just sell him back to them for an immediate profit. Yeah. Surely half of the Bundesliga would take up on him at ten million. England, because he's shown that he can hack it physically. He's shown that he can hack it to a limited extent in Europe because obviously the group stage was a bust, but big performer in the qualifiers for us. So, you see, body of work, track records there. It's literally the biggest transfer travesty I would ever have seen if we don't go and buy him. And coming for somebody who's supported Rangers in the last 20 years, that's uh, that's quite the statement. (laughs) (laughs) But Dave, like... I'm glad you see my point there because the overall point is that maybe you articulated that a little bit better than me is we cannot lose with this transfer even if we do sell him straight away even if he never kicks a ball after signing permanently we're going to make money on him so the Rangers board should have no fears because that five million is going to turn into double that or or even half of the five million just say seven point five million a profit's a profit at the end of the day and we cannot lose here and. As you say, it would be a crime not to do it. It really, really would be a crime not to do it. And I understand who we're relying on, so that makes me nervous, but surely they're not that stupid. Um, that's, that's all I've got to say with that. I actually seen somebody on Twitter said that um, Tillman's playing that well and it's such a no-brainer that we'll probably let him go back to Bayern but uh, tie up James Sands. <laughs> I know. I know. But, the only thing that's kind of, you say it's guaranteed, right? The only slight thing, and I know we've just talked about injuries, I don't really like to dwell on it, but if he injured, he's selling the press conference. Because <laughs> literally, apart from that, it's like, the, it's like the green, it's like a zero, a house edge and roulette. There's that tiny wee, tiny wee chance that it's yeah. going to go wrong. And it's the only the only thing that could derail this transfer as an injury, but he seems quite a robust, big lad, quite physical. Yeah. That, it's an immediate flip. Even if I hope it's not obvious here for two or three years and it's a bigger bassy sale, but as you say, he must be attracting attention of scouts who wonder how a club in Scotland have tied up a deal for a guy who's on the fringes of Bayern's team for five million quid and is playing so well. So yeah. and, and you know what credit where credit's due, obviously Wilson identified them, Wilson brought them in and, and and you know, there's no point just completely banging on that Wilson's a bit of a fucking uh, a day when it comes to all this stuff, when he does do some things well, he's 50% of the way there to being perfect with Malik Tillman. The other 50% is now tying him down permanently. And yep. by doing so, Rangers become uh, Rangers then enter into a, a no-lose situation, as we've just discussed. So it definitely, definitely has to happen. And it should be the first thing we do the minute the window opens in the summer. Tie him down, get him in and then obviously address the other issues within the team. So, second half started the way the first half started. It was laboured again. It was quite it was quite poor. In fact, it was very poor, I would say, because it, I would say it was worse in the second half than it was the first. I'm looking for, as you say, Dave, that early second goal 
um, in the second half, which kills the game. And then we can maybe look at adding maybe one or two more and we're no nervous. And it, it never came. It got to the hour mark and I'm thinking, right, OK, Raskin. No, I wouldn't bring Raskin on. It's a wee bit unfair to bring him on in a game like this when obviously it's tight. I was, I, 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 there wasn't a, an obvious substitution to me. Maybe, maybe Scott Wright, maybe Tillman, eh, sorry, maybe Kamara for Jack. But I have to say here that Michael Beal got it wrong for me. He brought Glenn Kamara on for Fashion Sakala. Now, Fashion Sakala never had a great game. Of course he didn't, but he was still a threat. He all, as long as Fashion Sakala is on that football field, it will be a threat whether he's having a good game or a bad game. Because sometimes when he's having a bad game, he's even more of a threat because it, it, something ridiculous will happen to him that will turn into like some sort of genius move. But he brought Sakala off for Glenn Kamara. And Gordon Smith on the commentary said, um, this is a quote, this is verbatim by the way, Ah uh, yeah, I agree with that decision because that's a shutting up shot. We're just going, we're just going to look to kill the game off now and 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 get out of here with a one 0 victory. And I'm thinking, what the fuck, man? Like this is not. Is has he been watching Rangers for the last you know four or five months? Um, and the inevitable happened three minutes after Kamara came on. Now it's not Kamara's fault this happened, obviously. It's not even Michael Beale's fault, but it's more of the intention of the team, the way the team was set up at this point, where obviously Ross County get the equaliser and we've just taken off an attacking player for a very defensive-minded player. It really, really pissed me off. The ball comes in, John McLaughlin comes to get it, completely misses it, and Jordan White taps home. Jordan White, uh, he's, a, he's, he's a, a good Rangers man. He's, he's, he's said this many, many times. But fucking hell, Jordan, going to just stop scoring against us, you know what I mean? Um, I think that's about four or five now he's got against us. And uh, he said it was his dream to score at Ibrox. Obviously, no for Ross County, but he would have loved to have done it for Rangers. But do you know what? Fair play to the boy. Um, no no bad work. He's just doing his job, isn't he? Um, but he should never, ever, ever have been allowed to score that goal. Uh, John McLaughlin, have no idea what you're doing. Will give some criticism to the defenders as well. They had some opportunities to clear it. But I think when McLaughlin's coming that far and he's gave the defenders a shout, they've waited. Um, I'm more in the position of if they've got an opportunity to get it to fuck, do that, then have the inquest. Uh, but obviously they, they had to trust their goalkeeper because he was coming out that far. My only real question to you here, Dave, is why did they come so far when it was such a congested area? The, as I said, there was opportunities there for Goldson and Davis to get it to fuck, and McLaughlin took charge and uh, ultimately cost us the, the, the goal that, that brought Ross County back into it. Aye, as soon as he came out, as soon as he went to move, I sat at the end of the ground, I'm in line with the six yard box in the main stand there. As soon as he went to come out, you just knew he wasn't getting there. You just knew 36 year old John McLaughlin doesn't have a spring to compete with probably the tallest striker in the league and he just gets brutally out jumped and I mean if he stays because the header went down the middle he just catches it if it goes in that direction he's maybe got a chance because it's a bit of a glancing header but you, you never know but again just poor defensively and you just again saw it coming the, it, to go back to the substitution I don't like that sub I, I don't See, unless you're two minutes to go under the cosh and you need a body, I hate trying to change the shape of the team, especially against teams like at home, where Sakala, I actually thought Sakala was our most dangerous player, I don't think he played particularly well, but he was dangerous, he carried a threat and he was he was getting his forward and he was he was in the running for my man of the match at that point just because of that, but it's maybe a sign of how badly everybody else played, but Kamara, for a pacey out ball, 
when they were leaving gaps at the back and within minutes we've conceded. If you cash your mind back to the only game Bills, Bills failed to win, Celtic at Ibrooks, he brings on Sands for Tillman in the last five minutes and within three minutes Celtic have scored again because he's taken off a creative attacking outlet yeah. for... And it's a double-edged sword as well, isn't it? Because the, the, you're, I, I get the idea you're trying to kind of see the game out, you're trying to become more compact, but if you lose that goal where you then need to chase the game, you don't have the players to do it. Yep. And you, that is how I felt at the time. I, was, I wasn't like panicking, but I thought, right, we've been playing shit, he's changed the game to a more defensive outlook, and now we need to chase a, 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 another goal. I, I don't get why he done it. I really do not get why he done it. If he... What he should have done, if he wanted to take Sakala off, it should have been right. You know what I mean? Kind of like for like. But the fact yep. that he changed the whole shape in order to try and win the game, as you said, he'd done it again. He'd done it against Celtic, which, again, you can kind of see why he done it. But on the day, I don't think anyone agreed with those substitutions at, at the time. Um, it's not a hindsight thing. Um, neither is this, by the way, because at the time I was like, wow, I just don't understand this. Um so I suppose in a way, Bill's not the perfect manager, of course he is. No, he's very green, uh, one for a better word, of course he is. He is going to make these mistakes, so I suppose it's just one of those things that we need to absorb at the moment because there will be plenty more to come in terms of mistakes that he will learn from. And that's the thing about Michael Bill that I do like, and I know it's kind of contradictory because you've just brought up the Celtic game where he made pretty much the same error, but... When there is mistakes made by Bill in his career, I think he's got the body of work to show that he does learn from it and he does adapt. Aye, well, you need, as you say, you need to take it roughly smooth young manager. It's a learning curve. For him, does Michael Bill, aged 50, make this mistake? I don't know. It's, as I say, it's not a substitution that I like. Gio was bad for it as well. Hibs to each earlier in the season. They basically sacrificed all attacking intent. And we just knew you could see the writing on the wall. As you say, right coming on, stretch of game. It, even at home against Ross County, shutting up shop shouldn't be a thing, no matter how much they're attacking or pressing. We should have faith in our quality to go forward and get the decisive goal. And if we did better decision making, we probably would have, because we got in good areas towards the last couple of minutes as they, as teams do, decided that football actually is about trying to score and come out of their own box. So, we should still be going for it. And these subs are something that's just going to come back and haunt you. But as you say, it's got it's roughly the smooth. It's one of the things. Thankfully, it's no cost us. And hopefully, he's learned that, well, actually, I will just keep attacking in these situations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ten minutes after Ross County got their equaliser, we got a free kick outside the edge of the box. Borna and Tav were over it, but Borna won the duel. Um, there was no rock, paper, scissors for this. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, aye. Listen, it was, a, it was a fairly weak free kick by Borna. If that hit its intended target, I think the keeper's actually saving it um, easily. He's catching it. Um, but it takes a, a, a very fortunate deflection and wrong foots the goalkeeper into the net. Now, I'm going to get to Borna. I think, you know, I think it'd be harsh to put that as an own goal. Um, so happy that he scored got the wee bit of luck that we needed on the day Rangers were clearly the better team even though we didn't perform very well so nobody can say that we didn't deserve that albeit Ross County will be feeling hard, hard done by but in games like this it takes goals like that to win it really um, would that be fair? 
sometimes you need to be better rubber to green eye. I mean, we normally we deserved. If you look at the stats, the shots and target, the amount of chances we had, by far the better team. Sometimes you need that wee bit of luck. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and then the game, bit of a nervy ending, uh, without too much threat from Ross County. And without too much threat from Rangers about actually killing the game off, it just sort of kind of petered out. The most exciting thing that really happened in the last 10 minutes was uh, Nico Raskin coming on for his debut. He came on for Cantwell, who got man of the match. Um, and I, Dave, he, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to cast your mind back to when we beat Hamilton 8-0 at Ibrox during the 55 season and at half time Bogani Zungu came on and he looked like <laughs> Zidane he genuinely did look like Zidane he was fucking brilliant and I thought wow we've got a player here so I understand I'm not going to you know I'm not going to read too much into his kind of cameo appearance but if this is a trajectory he's going to go on with his Rangers career this is this is a player on it because he looked confident he looked neat and tidy he demanded the ball, he tried a few things, some things came off, some things didn't. What I like about that is when the things don't come off, he's no scared to try it again. Usually sort of players of lesser ability don't look for the ball so quickly after something doesn't come off. Um not not rasking. It, for it's really difficult to kind of comprehend that he only had ten minutes on that park and he had as many touches as he did which showed me he's got the appetite and application and he is desperate to do well here and I'm excited to see more of him. Oh, I absolutely looked, ticked a lot of my boxes in that wee short cameo, demanding the ball, taking charge of his teammates that he barely knows, aggressive in the tackle, quick, I thought, for a, a central midfield player. Looked to be positive. You see a couple of things he never came off and he just, he, he burst... Broke his neck to try and win it back when he misplaced a pass. So we've seen it all before. I Zungu's cameo with the big over the top passes and that looked brilliant. But Raskin, busy, energetic, covers ground, good in the tackle, crisp passer. Looks to really. I like players who really fucking put a bit of swaz on their passes. Who really look as if they actually take pride in the act of passing to a teammate, as if they want to as it should be, serve the ball on a platter for them. I hate, like you talked about Lindstrom at the start, has to be shitey, nudged, bobbly, hospital passes, do man nothing. You look at the best examples in the Estan Chavi or whatever, every pass is zipped and rolled into the right area. Raskin looks to be a bit of that, with Lindstrom just fucking consistently throws ball under the bus with his hospital passes. So I. As you say, we're minding a lot of content out of a 10-minute cameo at home, but a lot to like. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, not really going to... Well, I will mention it, but I'll mention it in this context. Uh, I do not give a single fuck about his socks. I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what he wants to wear his socks like, then... More power to him. Uh, you, you get. I know you're a man of Rangers standard, Dave. Does that bother you? Not at all, because see, when I played football, I, I've got quite big calves, dumpy legs, and football socks kill my calves. So see the way the modern players do it, where they've got different socks and they cut the seals off them and they cut the feet off them and they put holes in the back of the socks to relieve the pressure. I wish I'd thought of that. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Kamal Ruth Wells has it his ankles. 
Yeah. Jared did the same. It's I could maybe put black socks underneath our white ones, but I, I just genuinely don't care. Yeah, yeah. And just just on that uh, discussion, the I was a right back, um, and. I used to wear my socks kind of half down. Not so much uh, Jordy Bo Kamar Roof, but just a wee bit higher than that. And then obviously when I was a when I was a player, the, the Rangers right back at the time was Alan Hutton. And he wore his socks over his knees. <laughs> That's it was, right, yeah. it was almost up to his thigh. And he got asked. He's up to his thighs in it. Jesus I, Christ, oh, no wonder they hate him. And he get asked about it once, why do you wear your socks so high? Because it was literally as high as you could get. And he says um, it protects his knee when he tackles. And that was it, Dave. I was a sucker for it. The knee, the socks were right up above my knees, man. Right on the side. That was it. And I wore it ever since. And I, it, it does make all the difference. If there's any young boys out there that is, likes a tackle, then get those fucking socks over your knees. For no other reason, by the way, um, with the red bit over. <laughs> um, I So... Look, it's three points again. It's ten wins out of eleven, almost perfect record. It's we, we discussed this uh, in, in the pod last week. Like in any other kind of season or or, or or year, this record cuts that gap. But Celtic just keep winning, right? So there's nothing we can do about it. The only thing we can do is hope that if we continue this run, uh, vein of form, they will eventually slip up before us. That is what needs to happen. It looks unlikely, but it's 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 not it's not over. And I will be honest with you, Dave. Regardless if it was Bill or if it was Gio, by this point, six of February, I expected I expected it to be over. So the fact that we can actually turn around and say, look, it's not over yet. There's still. There's still uh, a slight chance. The the door is still ajar, if you will. Um, and if we continue playing like this in terms of getting the results, maybe not performances, but if we continue to pick up these results, then the the balance of probability is we will cut that gap because obviously we've got two games against Celtic. I mean, the, the game against Celtic at Parkhead is going to be massive. Like it's it's going to take something special there, obviously. Uh, but. I'm I'm fairly confident. I'm, I've not lost all hope yet. There's um, just looking at the date, the time of recording this. It is the sixth of February, and leagues don't get won until April or May. So that's two full months where anything can happen. And between now and then, there could be two old fun matches in the league. Obviously, there will be three because of the cup final. So I suppose what I'm getting at is if we our first five games gone undefeated, I would say that's. That's the manager's bounce. Get into the sixth and the seventh game undefeated. I go right, okay. It's still the manager's bounce, but the manager's getting his his kind of his shit together and he's getting his his identity put into the team. His 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 DNA putting into the team. The fact it's now eleven games um, and ten wins, I I wouldn't class this now as a bounce. I would now class this as Bill as getting something from these players. And I, again, I have to be honest. Didn't think it was capable. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't think that these players were capable of producing such a run of form. That's um, no slight against Michael Beale. I genuinely thought that Pep Guardiola, you know, Antonio Conte, uh, Jurgen Klopp, any of those guys could have come into Rangers after Gio and they wouldn't have been able to do this because just because of the players. But again, credit where credit's due. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic run of form and long may it continue. I absolutely totally agree with what you've said there. It's they're past the manager bounce stage now. We're get, he's getting some results, albeit 
performances are sticky. I'm not so sure about the league. I think if we if it was down to six, I would be right confident that we could push them a wee bit further. I think that extra nine ten with the goal difference just takes it away a wee bit too far, which is we've covered the reasons for that to be blue in the face. So unfortunately it is what it is. But next season with the right transfers he's got to be looking at a right good crack at it. The other thing that might tell in his favour is that Celtic play their kind of famous high intensity style and they did pick up a lot of injuries. They got the break last season to help them with that. Obviously they've the World Cup break this season but it's a bit earlier. So maybe, just maybe there might be a bit of fatigue creeps into them and maybe a wee bit of staleness, a wee bit of jadedness can creep in when you're, you're on top like that. And Bill certainly seems to have introduced a hunger back into the team, so I, I certainly don't think Bill will be gaining up, and he'll want to push them all the way and push as hard as he can. So you never know. It would take quite an epic collapse, but you never know. So this weekend, Dave, uh, we are off league duty, um, and we're into Scottish Cup duty. Obviously, defending the Scottish Cup, we're playing Partick Thistle at Ibrox on Sunday the twelfth. Now this really pisses me off. Um, Four p.m. kickoff. What the fuck is that all about? Shit, and it. It's just a horrible time for football. I, I put out a poll and it was on Twitter and it was weirdly sort of equal between the alternative kickoff times for a cup game as being Friday night, I love a Friday night game. Saturday night, love a Saturday night. Even half twelve on a Saturday's better than the, the graveyard shift on a Sunday. Obviously the CDR and the Liga day is a routine. I've never liked it. Yeah, I don't understand it. And it always seems to be us. It's the kind of shitty end of the stick. Um, it's yeah. uh, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. But there will obviously be a podcast about that um, game against Party Fizzle coming out of this week at some point. Um, so all that really remains for me to do is obviously um, thank the the listeners first. Thanks for listening again. Um, I know I'm kind of like a, a broken record by pretty much begging you, but. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on TikTok, YouTube, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. So if you could subscribe, like or follow in any of our platforms, links will be in the description. As I said, one kind of follow, one kind of subscription, one kind of like goes a long way with us. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, and finally, obviously, thanks to you, Dave. Thanks again, mate. Um, you know, it's. I, I think we're getting more and more positive, me and you, which is... It's, I was going to say, when you said broken record, I was going to say, you're like a broken record that's made a man, mate. Oh, uh, so but uh, it's, it, just the two years on a pod, it could be the most negative thing you've ever heard. I think we'll be quite upbeat. Obviously, the team playing well do that to a man, so I long may continue. Aye, definitely, definitely. Um, so... We will be back this week with two podcasts. The first podcast will be the Partick Fissile preview and the second podcast will be the Partick Fissile review. Um, so let's hope that Rangers can obviously progress into the next round of the Scottish Cup before they return to league duty again. So thanks for listening again.